0: Hello there friends and strangers, welcome to Monkey Tooth. I'm Andrew, with my wife Tiffany and our dog Pele, we're bringing you this podcast from the road. As we travel over the next two years in our custom-built Sprinter van from California to Alaska, then south to Argentina and back. The goal of this podcast is to meet people doing fun and interesting things, record their stories, and share them with you. We don't sell any ads, but we are interested in subsidizing our adventure. With your support, that's possible. You can become a Patreon subscriber by visiting patreon.com forward slash monkeytooth. That's dot ncom forward slash monkeytooth. If cash is not the tool you use to say thank you or to support creative efforts, don't sweat it. We need reviews on iTunes. That's free. So people can find us. Either way, you can head over to our website, mtp.dog. Yes, the last three letters are D-O-G, M-T-P dot Or just follow us on Instagram at monkeytoothpodcast. Now, for today's guest, Dr. Christopher Patrick Ryan. You may know him as the host of Tangentially Speaking. It's one of my favorite podcasts, or as the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sex at Dawn. I sent Chris an email. Uh, I've sent him many emails, but I sent him one recently, um, presumptuously inviting him to be a guest on our show. Honestly, I was expecting a polite no, as he's kind of a busy guy. Got a lot on his plate. I I told him it was worth the seven hour drive for me from Sebastopol to to Topanga to spend an hour in conversation with him. And I'll tell you now, that's, that's an objectively strange sentence to write to anyone, especially a stranger. But to my complete surprise, he wasn't creeped out and did not say no. So we worked out a date and time for me to come and record a conversation in our van. Unfortunately, Tiff couldn't make the trip, so Paley and I made the journey last Sunday. I'm recording this on Monday, so yeah, a week ago. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole story here because I want to keep this short and sweet, but I have to say that meeting Chris Ryan, who is an intellectual hero of mine, was a blast. Chris, uh, Chris also has a custom-built Sprinter van, which he uses from time to time to travel the country and record episodes of his podcast. So sitting in our van for him was familiar, yet strange enough to keep it interesting. And I had a very similar experience when I sat in his van. Uh, We recorded this in a state park at Topanga, so you'll hear birds in the background and maybe some hikers come by, but otherwise I think the audio quality works out. Um, But I got to say, Chris was just incredibly generous with his time and uh, immediately seemed to like Pele, which is cool. Uh, We had a really wide-ranging conversation, which is here in its entirety, and uh, after we finished the podcast, Chris invited me over to his house showed me his man, uh, let me ride his electric bicycle, which is amazing. Uh, He gave me an espresso, which is a terrible idea, uh, and then invited me to stay for dinner. Note to self, if you're out there, if you ever happen to invite me to have an espresso, make sure that I'm leaving fairly soon after that. But uh, Chris didn't, and then he cooked me an amazing meal, and I'll tell you, Chris Ryan can cook We sat around and shot the shit for hours. And when I left, I honestly feel like I'd made a new friend. Uh, And he even recorded one of our conversations. I don't know if he'll actually put it on his podcast, but uh, I mean, it was just a, it was an honor for me to to, to see that experience um, and hopefully it will make me better at doing this. Um, So anyhow, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to have been able to interview him for our show, but I'm mostly grateful for the opportunity to have made this kind of connection with someone so fun and interesting and, and just a, a cool person. So uh, anyway, if you're interested in reading more about that encounter, you can read all about it on the journals page of our website, mtp.dog. Uh, if you are now ready to hear that conversation with Chris Ryan, you're in luck because that is happening right now. We actually
1: got cold bottled water it's a rare thing sweet oh thank Out you of Arkansas. No Arkansas water I
0: worked at uh, Graceland
1: when I was oh, in right. uh,
0: high school and it, that was the water that we sold and bottled water was not real hip in the south and everybody's like that's Elvis's favorite bottled water really Mountain <laughs> Valley Spring <laughs> wow it's like a uh, redneck Pellegrino indeed oh the sparkling is it'll pop you off into top hole man you'll be feeling just right
1: uh yeah. Are are we, are we recording?
0: We are. <laughs> are there things you don't want to say about Elvis?
1: <laughs> there, there's something I was going to say. I'll save it for later. You may hit pause. I'll save it for later. That's all right. <laughs> That's great. All right.
0: So, uh, thanks Chris Ryan yeah. for being in this
1: van. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? It was like being with your girlfriend's twin sister. It was like meeting my girlfriend's twin sister. Yeah. Cause yeah. everything looks extremely familiar, but just slightly different. And in this case, my girlfriend's better-looking twin sister, <laughs> I have to say. Your van is much slicker than mine. But higher mileage, so better-looking but sluttier <laughs> hey,
0: <laughs> twin as sister. As if that's a
1: bad thing? I'm not Come judging on her sister for that. Come I'm just saying, now.
0: you know, she's been around, has a little Better-looking
1: and sluttier? Yeah. That, that's the sister I want.
0: I, I want sluttier to no longer be an insult.
1: I just want it to be an adjective. Oh, I you're think in the right a, company there, man. A better way to go. It's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a pleasure to to join you, man. It's it's uh, kind of surreal, and you're going on a big trip, big ass trip. Yeah, uh, big ass trip. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Now, the first time you wrote to me, am I? I don't know if I'm mixing you up with someone else, but did you? I think I was on the van trip last summer, and you were living in a grain elevator or a windmill or some shit. No, that sounds great though. That wasn't us. That wasn't you. Nope. Somebody from Sebastopol... Who was living in some... Co-
0: <laughs> sounds about right. We did We did offer you a place to park if you needed somewhere to be, but we, oh, okay. not in a grain elevator. Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: well, I should put you in touch with the yeah. other guy from Sebastopol. That sounds interesting. All right, I thought it was you. All right, well...
0: Sebastopol is a great place to live in a non-traditional way. Huh. Now that we have sold our RV and are no longer... Um, we don't really live there anymore. We've been living illegally <laughs> for three years. Hmm. We had a. Uh, we just rented land. Um, we bought an RV in New Orleans from a guy named Ronald McDonald, retired sheriff's deputy who uh, no longer wanted to drive his RV around. Yeah. And we paid it off super quick and just paid the cheapest rent you could possibly pay in the Bay Area. Huh. Um,
1: just to, like, let it, let us park here. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It was we there.
0: Had, uh, you know, water, sewer, electrical, uh, Wi-Fi even. Oh. And, and parked on their land. Um, make great friends, meet all the neighbors. That's great. We've been so fortunate where we are. I mean, I, I, we've been, uh, really, really lucky.
1: So. Yeah. Well, you know, I think about that. I, you'll see later when we go to my place, it's, uh, it's a great little place. And I have a really, you know, I rent from a friend, really beautiful woman who's been on the podcast. Actually, oh, great. Uh, Ginger. She's 91, I think. Wow. And worked for NASA. It's so an engineer designed uh, communications module on on uh, Landsat, the Whoa. first satellite that mapped the surface yeah. of the Earth. You know, anyway, it's great. I love I love being there. But yeah, you get used to being in the van, and you start thinking like, why exactly am I paying? You know, and Cassie <laughs> and I were a month on the road, and we we're coming back from New Orleans. And I said, I said, okay, Cassie. So, what percentage of the clothes that you packed? have you used? And she was like, mm, 10% maybe I said, okay, mm-hmm. that's about right. I just, first trip I took in the van, it was the same. I yeah. packed a bunch of shit. I never even opened the backpack, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just like found my shorts and you know, yeah. whatever. And there was the other stuff I forgot. It was there. And the other uh, thing I said to her was what, what do we have at home that you've missed? Nothing. Yeah. So why are we paying? Hmm couple thousand bucks a month for a structure yeah what what, just to put shit we don't need (laughs) is that what we're doing
0: there i get that completely i we've lived the past three years in something just about the size of a new york loft or or like one of those little apartments on like Mm. the you know lower west side just tiny little thing
1: yeah
0: uh and the things you when you go over to someone's house and you're, you can like spread out in the bathroom, right. or two of you can be in the bathroom at the same time. Oh yeah. There's weird little things like that that are they're they're luxuriant, but it when you don't have them, then you appreciate them. Right. Whereas you take it for granted in your own home. Right. Um, and we we actually, I don't, know, my wife will probably hate that I'm saying this, but we've been using an outdoor composting toilet for the past year, which I love. I'm more than happy to be greeted by my own steam in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, Indoor plumbing is Is, hip, is it one you know? of
1: those sawdust ones? Yeah. Yeah, and they don't even stink.
0: No. I, you, I, I took an automotive filter, or a funnel, rather, that is anatomically situated, so piss goes one direction and shit goes the other, yeah. and that's it. You throw sawdust on the shit, the piss goes out in the yard, and that's There's a it. composting toilet. Huh. Uh, yeah. You have to be careful with where you store shit. Because of, it, like, water runoff
1: and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, you don't
0: want... Yeah, exactly. You need It needs about a year to, like, kind of cook down. Yeah. Uh. I was just huh, thinking of that acronym. I heard, did you ever hear the that the acronym, that SHIT, it was originally an acro- acronym? No. Ship High in Transit. I guess there were people, the story goes, <laughs> this could be an urban myth, but that uh, overseas voyages, they were storing am- animals and uh, manure below decks, and there were sudden explosions you know, on ships. Hmm. I don't know. That, sounds, that makes sense. Could be. It could make sense, but it could be bullshit. <laughs> so, Ship High in Transit would be? Keep the shit up on deck. And oh. don't let it sit below where the gases, the methane gases oh, can right, accumulate right, right. and somebody comes down with a candle. And... Right.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, say it's all right, but well, I won't forget all the time's out. I-
1: This book I'm writing now, Civilized to Death, is is largely about how a good story is more powerful than the actual data. Yes. And it's so hard to dislodge a narrative that makes people feel a certain way, you know, a good way, or that yeah. um, that buttresses uh, a dominant political ideology, yeah. you know. Even though it's total bullshit, demonstrably bullshit, demonstrably bullshit, it's yeah. still really hard to get people to yeah. not believe it. No. You know? Well,
0: I'm, I'm glad you brought up Civilized to Death. I wanted to, uh, I was going to ask if you wanted to talk about it on the
1: podcast. <laughs> uh, I happen to be wearing the shirt. Yeah. I'll say that- um, the Shirt's been a big success. Yeah. Don't know how the book's going to do, but the fucking shirt's a <laughs> it's <just> bestseller. It's flying off
0: the So other than like the Bible, I don't know that there's a book I've ever had merch from you know, so like that you're in good company there, you know, the Bible. Uh, I, I think I true. had a cross when I was, a, uh, you know, 12 or something. Yeah. But, uh, I never thought of crosses as Bible merch. Well, yes it is. Get but... on it, brother. They're, they're selling it to you quick yeah. and easy. And um, yeah. but you were civilized to death. Uh, you were cited, um, you and, uh, Casilda were cited in, uh, um, what's, uh, what's the guy's name? Yuval Noah Harari's book, Sapiens. Oh, Sapiens. And, right. um, and in reading that book, it was so similar to what you've described as, or heard you describe on your podcast, as the the premise mm. for civilized to death. There was a lot of that sort of string together narrative um, that we are a product of story, and yeah. we're we're only here, and we're only believing these things because someone told it to us. We yeah. believed it, and that's what's kind of bound us together. The power of bullshit <laughs> uh, and our ability to believe fiction is what separates us from basically everything else or one of the many things that separates us do you i mean i have a couple questions there one did you talk to uh you've no. right? he decided you that's how that works they could just say i listened i read your book and it supports his data or that's
1: yeah i think if i remember correctly i think we're we're cited in the end notes or footnotes or something i don't think he even mentions our uh, book really no he
0: doesn't mention it he just cites it in the notes at the end but yeah. you can tell as you're reading you know this this sexual prehistory bit it's like oh
1: that sounds familiar and you go to the back of the notes
0: sure enough tell right. me
1: about it yeah that's a weird experience to have as a as a writer where you read a passage and it's so clear that the author of the passage has read your work. Not only has read the work, but is basically transcribing, oh. <laughs> you know, several pages just yeah. in his own words mm. and and then doesn't name you in oh. the text. It's kind of annoying. I can imagine. You know, and then later it's like, oh, yeah, OK, he, he mentions it. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. That, that that was that particular one was kind of annoying because his publisher was the same publisher that we had. So there's absolutely no way he wasn't totally aware of the yeah, book. Yeah. You know, I'm sure even his editor was like, "Look, you know, we just published this. It's a bestseller, right. you know. Read it to you." So for him to be kind of cagey about it mm. kind of mm, I I didn't love that, but whatever, I guess that I, happens. I, I didn't even think about it that way. I I read it.
0: It just seemed like again there was a little note i always go to those though i'm a nerd i go to the right. cite- citations but right i guess he probably should have said thanks
1: <laughs> well yeah i mean i for myself i i when i'm you're drawing yeah. on someone else's work i make sure that i say in the text you know sure. as so and so said in their book blah 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 right and then i i don't even need you don't even need to quote you know you can still paraphrase sure. but at least you're acknowledging where you got that line of argument right but anyway, it doesn't matter. No, yeah, I mean, we, everybody does it. <laughs> well, uh, the, the reason
0: I, I brought that up, um, you know, that is that kind of because I've not finished *Sapiens* yet, and it didn't seem like it got prescriptive, or it hasn't gotten prescriptive at any point. Is that something you're leaning towards with *Civilized to Death*? Are you no, or is it just not analysis, really? Or
1: um, I think at the end of *Civilized to Death*, um, well, what's there now is a. Uh, There's a discussion of aspects of modernity that appear to be uh, sort of uh, hearkening back to pre-civilized modes of thinking and social organization and politics and economics and all that, Uh, like universal... Sorry.
0: Spark root farm, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Like uh, intentional communities, people who are growing their own food, people who are concerned about the the welfare of animals, you know, that they want their eggs free range and, you know, they want their beef grass fed and, you know, an open field. Right. Like starting to sort of think more holistically about being embedded in a a system and a Mm. cycle of life and all that community all
0: the 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 buzzword of community
1: (laughs) right we're all looking for it yeah yeah Yeah. and and also like you know people are doing what you're doing like you know living minimally and focusing more on experience rather than income and and uh, you know acquisitive kind of power and So I think there are shifts happening and I try to describe those shifts at the end and, you know, point to a bunch of them. But I don't consider it to be prescriptive. Sure. Because I always feel uncomfortable suggesting what people should do. I can't figure out what the fuck I should do. Yeah,
0: yeah. But you can highlight here's a path, not the path. That's, I yeah, think here that... are
1: a bunch of paths. Here are here are the way a bunch of people are looking at this and dealing with it. Yeah, and in fact, I have a, a follow up to Sex at Dawn that I've I've thought about doing um, because the my editor and the sort of publishing world really wants you to be prescriptive because that's there's money. There's in that. yeah, yeah. People want answers. And hence all the bullshit stories that are guiding our lives. There you go, <laughs> exactly. Because the story sells, therefore, it's powerful, mm. and it doesn't matter if it's true, right? So, you got your whatever your Atkins diet or your paleo diet or your you know, blah blah blah, whatever bullshit it is. If it sells and it's a compelling story, then it We're gets blind. powerful. Mm. Um, yeah, or you know, fat causes heart can heart uh, problems, right? Yeah. Well, it turns out that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. But it was a good story. It seemed to make sense. You know, yeah. butter's glo- gloomy and not gloomy. What's the word? Gloppy. Gloppy. That is a scientific. Is is that the that's scientific the, word? The genus and species. It's an acronym for uh, <laughs> go last open or, or please you. Um, what the fuck am I talking about?
0: We're talking about derailing conversations with bullshit. Yeah. No. Sorry, you were.
1: (laughs) Oh, prescriptive (laughs) stuff. Yeah. 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 So I prefer to just sort of point to viable options rather than be prescriptive. Sure. You know that seems more sort of humble and and authentic than. Yeah. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. I I I appreciate that. People have
0: a hard time with that. Is I, I know you've can only imagine how you've had to defend sex at dawn and good luck defending civilized to death um to to tell someone that things are there is a gray area between your critique and your observation and reality and you're not being prescriptive people can't see that the nuance of not being prescriptive and just highlighting something just shining a light on it people can't discern that they think you're definitely telling people how to be you're telling people to cheat on their wives and you're telling people to get rid of their cell phone you know you're not doing any of that yeah but the way it's perceived is that so what yeah. i mean what do you do you just stay patient deep breathing what's your yeah <laughs> you... yeah
1: i try to get keto with that stuff mm. you know and just stay centered and and uh you know, let when I give a public presentation about sex at dawn, I always try to include a very clear disclaimer saying exactly that this is not to say monogamy is a mistake. This is not to say yeah. there's anything wrong with it. This is not to say that even that our ancestors may have had lifelong um uniquely yeah. intimate relationship with one other person sure but the evidence is that they weren't by and large sexually exclusive right so you know we're the culture that's putting those two things together and considering them to be two facets of one thing when in fact they're they're separate things they're separate. sex and love are two separate things we love lots of people we don't have sex with we have sex with people we don't love when they go together it's fantastic but yeah. you know it and they both change even when they do go together yes. they change they everything change. so you know i try to get people to see that sex at dawn isn't about telling people they're doing anything wrong it's about really trying to help people see that to the extent that things aren't working that's not necessarily an indictment of them or their relationship. Yeah, And so I really want people to try to see... I, I try to uh, encourage people to read the book not as a criticism of them or the way they're living, but as um, uh, support and, and to help them understand why they might feel restless and, and uncomfortable or dissatisfied even though they're in a really good relationship. Yeah. You know? So, and as far as, like, I don't know if you heard, I just did a podcast with Joe Rogan a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me, uh, he had some people on, uh, the evolutionary scientists who were trashing Sexadon. Weinstein. Sex at Weinstein. Dawn. Yeah. 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 And so Joe was like, you know, I should have defended you, I, I felt bad, and he was apologizing. I was like, Joe, you don't have to defend me. I don't even defend the book, yeah. you know? People have a relationship with the book. It, it really has nothing to do with me. Yeah. no. Once it's, the book's out, it's out. It's a know? great way
0: to, to look at that. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I, mean, I
1: like the impulse that he wanted to maybe stick up for you, but... It, He's a sweet guy. I can only imagine. He's a really kind, decent person. I mean, you and I were talking earlier, I, this. I, I was visiting my father in the hospital. And I took a picture of the screen with his heart rate and yeah. all that, and I posted it, just saying like, "Hey, life isn't all sunsets and you know happiness." And and a bunch of people thought that was me, sure. and so I had to edit it. You know, 15 minutes yeah. later, I was like, "Oh, by the way, that's not me. I'm fine. Thanks." Yeah. Within that first 15 minutes, I got a text from Joe.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, looking out for you. That dude's genuinely. Busy. Yeah. I mean, that dude is really I can't busy, even
1: right? He's in Boston recording his Netflix special. Yeah. he's flying back. He's doing a UFC thing, and he within fifteen minutes of me posting that, he's got time to reach Checking out and see if I'm all right. That's sweet. I yeah, mean, that's, that's the yeah the basis of friendship. That's is a good guy. right Genuine there. concern for you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I feel like everyone. I, I think most. People who do anything that goes out into public have to wrap their heads around that, that the, you put it out there and then people have a relationship with that thing and you are apart from it. And it's really like I don't really feel compelled to defend sex at dawn or to yeah. defend civilized to death. You know, once it's out, fuck it. People yeah. deal with it the way they deal with it, and they'll be dealing with it maybe if I'm lucky after I'm dead, so mm-hmm. I won't even be here to defend it. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I like that. That's often the approach of an artist, making a piece of work, you know, putting out a song, putting out a record, making a painting. Right. It's like, you're going to interpret this, here it is, I'll give an art opening, I'll talk about it, but from that point forward, it it's in your hands, and right. that's, a, that's a hip way to just sort of...
1: Yeah, and you can't, like an artist, I'm not saying I'm an artist, but... I think what I do has something. Oh, it's Similar, for sure. yeah. You can't create for the audience. No, you create because you think it's true or it's beautiful or it's, mm-hmm. it comes out of yeah. you somehow. You
0: sell to an audience. Well, <laughs> you know
1: that's that's your publisher's yeah. job. You well, create. yeah, it is. And and the pub and that's the publisher decides if this is sellable or not, mm-hmm. and that's what they're gonna support. But I I kind of feel like. It's uh it's nice to be able to create things that you don't need to worry about selling. Yeah. Maybe people buy them, you know, but um I that's why I don't do advertising on the podcast. Yeah. You know, cuz I don't want to be thinking about, you know, am I going to say something that's going to offend <laughs> squarespace you know or or whomever is giving me money this yeah. month yeah i don't i don't yeah. like think of that way yeah Your podcast called
0: Monkey Tooth. Why? Oh, uh, so boy, it's a long story. It's kind of a nod to the uh, the Scopes trial. You know, the um, it's not a monkey on our uh, our logo, it's a chimp.
1: Oh, you know, yeah, and you've got these. Oh, no, those. I thought I saw a chimp somewhere. Yeah,
0: there's one up here. That's our logo. Uh, uh, just to show you how much, how well my wife is loved, her co workers threw her two going away parties, one of them made it like a hand stitched copy of our logo she got all these gifts on, on my last day I, I got called off they forgot that i was <laughs> leaving that not that week with the following so yeah uh <laughs> my wife is she's the best pro- i'm very sorry she's not here yeah you know you hear a guy say oh my better half yeah for real my better half is my wife which what she do she's a nurse oh cool. yeah she's worked in the icu for most of her career but now she's in uh, the ep lab doing exactly what uh you know uh working with afib and electrical yeah. physiological aspects of the heart um, wow uh but yeah anyhow it's just she's
1: well,
0: shout out to my wife she's a great lady yeah sounds like it <laughs> but, sounds yeah monkey tooth it's a um it's kind of a nod to that i had a um, i had a live music show back in memphis many years ago uh, it was called the clamp those monkey teeth music hour uh it was just like people getting up and playing songs and telling stories um
1: are you a musician?
0: Uh, I like to play guitar. I think mm. pretty much everybody from Memphis plays guitar. Mm. Um, and uh, I, try, I almost had a radio show on public radio. A guy was leaving, and I pitched the idea of my show, the Monkey, Clamp Those Monkey Teeth. And uh, I got the gig, but then the guy decided not to quit, so I got the boot. <laughs> uh, before that, uh, as a child, I had one of those little tape recorders. You could like, You could hit play and record and record the radio. Mm-hmm. So I'd leave a little space and then record some music. I'd do a little intro. I was you know prepubescent, little weirdo. Mm. So I've always had an interest in uh, fake radio, and now with go. the internet, I'm all over it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in uh, the idea of us as just, say just a primate is insulting, as primates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pretty um, widely misunderstood primates. So to mislabel a chimp as a monkey, you know that sort of anthropomorphic uh misunderstanding i'm a big fan of that sort of thing i like getting it wrong on purpose hmm. you know because i'm going to be getting it wrong on accident so i can sort of shade the <laughs> shade the corners
1: it's an interesting approach <laughs> yeah
0: interesting it's
1: yeah like... i i sometimes mess up the primate stuff because it's so much the phrase monkey balls is so much better than eight balls and I, I've heard someone say that, like, to call it a monkey, doesn't. It's just, it's like
0: apples and oranges. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you call it a monkey or an ape. A monkey is like just a broader thing,
1: even though there are New well,
0: World monkeys and Old World monkeys.
1: Yeah, um, Yeah, Joe and I actually talked about that once. He Did was, you? he was saying that humans are monkeys, and monkeys include the apes. I don't think that's true. I think monkeys have tails and apes, and apes don't. don't. Right. New world monkeys are monkeys that are indigenous to the new world, obviously, right. and old world. But, the you know, they've got macaques have tails. and Right. Uh, I think, I, I don't know where the
0: phrase monkey came from. Honestly, mm. I, I think it might be like a tack on at the end. Like, oh, well, these are monkeys because of the tail. I, I don't I don't actually know hmm. enough about that. Yeah. I know enough to say I don't know. There you go. <laughs> but I, That's, that's I have, important. But you know, in that in that trial, you know, like I didn't come from no monkey. My ancestors ain't no monkey. Um, I mean, you you see this? It's real. There is a creation museum. There are people who really want creationism to be to be taught as a legitimate first learn that first and if you want to teach the controversy you can talk about evolution. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I mean, I come from a place where that's that's real and um so I don't know. It's a it's a weird pretty passive aggressive shot across the bow perhaps, but I
1: don't know. Yeah, well that gets back to the original uh thing we started out talking about which is how a powerful story creates reality. Yes, it does. And um uh, And a lot of the power that accrues to a story comes from the degree to which it supports a a dominant paradigm.
0: And an ideology.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Something
0: that's not reason. It's it's emotion. And you just...
1: People want to believe it. I mean, I read into that all the time with the... You probably heard me ranting about this, the people are you know saying that we've doubled the human lifespan. It's, oh god, like, yeah. You know, it's like it's it's impossible to get to, that yeah. fucking to uproot that weed. It keeps growing back and yeah. it's like it's just it's totally not true but people math. love believing it. Yeah. The other another one I've been th- reading about recently is apparently if you put a frog in cool water and start heating it up, the frog will jump out of the fucking water. <laughs> that whole thing about the frog will sit there until it's boiling
0: no not true not true well what is true if you're putting frogs in water and then
1: turning it on to boil you're an asshole yeah <laughs>
0: that's true objectively yeah squared off
1: yeah yeah you want to uh, drop uh, them in after it's already yeah, boiling just don't like yeah, lobsters do it right yeah yeah cook yeah. that fucker live yeah. then you're Rah, screaming lobsters <laughs> yeah uh what was the other one i was thinking oh uh, i was just talking with my friend about this in the car um You know, I was thinking uh, as much as I hate the idea of writing another sort of scholarly book, um, Mm -hmm. one that I've been thinking about recently would be to go back and really study Darwin and all his journals and Mm -hmm. writings and biographies and and show how Darwin has been co-opted so, so shamelessly by every by any side. Any side of the argument has co-opted his. Well, I think, the, in my opinion, the, the side that needs the attention is the, the how Darwin has been co-opted by the apologists for ruthless capitalism. Right, because he wasn't about that. He no. wasn't about you know let the the the, the fittest destroy everybody else and that's how progress happened he didn't he was into cooperation and how animals form symbiotic relationships within and across species and that's what fascinated him he was against slavery he was you know very much about justice and racial equality and all that married his cousin (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he did well i he did that i read
0: uh he said the word love 95 times in the book mm. in origin species
1: and survival of the fittest twice i don't even think he used the phrase survival of the fittest at all i think that it, it came have, later um something that meant roughly survival of the fittest. So, something like that yeah, yeah, the, yeah like fitness being that which yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that exact phrase, survival of the fittest came from, uh, Ayn Rand. <laughs> no, it was a guy named Darwin's bulldog was his, oh, God. he was this guy who, you know, sort of ran around screaming about, um, evolution. Mm. How you doing? <laughs> Some hikers wandering by. Yeah. Let's I put that. a little ambiance. I love that. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah uh, that's uh, i think so even when you have a narrative like you know what darwin actually wrote and thought that narrative gets repurposed to yeah to buttress the dominant views uh
0: speaking of i mean there are so many things that i would want to ask you about but uh you are the first person that i've ever met who's actually been in the caves in Lascaux. Yeah. Um, you're also the first person I know that's been on the set of Porno. <laughs> I'm considerably more interested in Lascaux but that I'm not asking you about Porno. I just, you know, thought I'd bring up for my mom if she's listening. Okay. And I'm bringing up a more cerebral question not just talking not about, talking about porn, not talking about porn, Mom. I'm talking about porn, Mom. you know, I've seen the Werner Herzog documentary. I've read a lot about it. It just seems so Incredible to me, and I and uh, I don't know if you feel like telling me the story about like how did you even get the opportunity
1: to go to Lasgo, and then what was it? What was it like for you to be in there? And it was actually a really bizarre day. The whole the whole experience was really trippy. Um, yeah, what happened was that uh, Stanley Kripner was coming to visit in Spain, and where I was living in Barcelona and uh i forget if he had a conference to go to or if he was just coming to see me or what but we planned this trip um and he had his assistant contact the french government and Lined up this invitation to the caves, and because the only way you can go to Lascaux is on invitation from right. the French government, and I think they do maybe two or three visits a week, like five people per visit, and that's it. Because the breath of people started messing up yeah. the, the art, right? So, uh, yeah, because Stanley's very well known and he's published all these books and scientific papers, the French government invited him and his assistant, me. Oh, that's uh, great. to visit so an assistant who set up the actual thing didn't get to go no <laughs> no Steve Hart Sorry, uh, Steve Mickey Hart's nephew oh really yeah he's been Stanley's oh, that's, that's assistant forever yeah. yeah I think he might live in Sebastopol or somewhere I think he does
0: or Occidental
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway so Steve Steve lined it up and uh so this was when I had just moved into the model mansion and um, so Stanley, I I set him up in my little studio apartment, and then I went and slept uh, with a at a friend's place, and I'd rented a car, and I was so fucking excited, man! I couldn't sleep all night. I was just yeah. lying in bed like waiting. It's like, oh, yeah. now it's three hours till we go, and four, and because Stanley doesn't drive, so I'm gonna drive to Central France. Now this is before. GPS and phones and all that shit. So I looked on the map and I figured, eh, maybe six hours. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, And the appointment was at I think three p.m. We had to be there. So I so like six in the morning. I'm like, fuck it. Uh, I can't sleep anyway. I'm gonna drive over to where Stanley's sleeping and get a coffee over there and just you know wait until he wakes up at (laughs) seven thirty or something. And I drive over there. And now it's like, you know, six thirty seven 37 in the morning. And I slam the car door and I realize I just locked the keys in the car. Oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, it's like 7 in the morning. I think it was a, might have even been a Sunday. Oh, God. And it's like, I cannot believe I just did this. Oh. And, and so and I go and I try to find a cafe and, like, nothing's open. And so finally I go wake up Stanley and... Yeah, we call the rental company, and they say, well, we'll send someone out there, but it'll be about an hour. And if he can't open it, you're going to have to come back and change the car, get another car. They'll tow this one in and charge you extra. And I'm like, but we need to be in central France at 3 p.m. today. Like, well, you know. Yeah, so it was pretty intense. Uh, They managed to get the car open. We jumped in, and we took off. And we drove— Straight. We didn't stop to piss. We didn't stop for a coffee. We didn't stop for a fucking water. We just went. Oh, and uh Yeah, that was a funny day. That that was a day And you made it. I was Dude, we pulled in we pulled into the parking lot uh at like two fifty-nine. It was so much that Stanley said, I'm gonna go find where we need to be while you lock the car and grab our jackets and like it was that tight wow he so he went up found the group that was waiting at the entrance to the cave i got the jackets and came running up and uh yeah there were like there was the guide uh, you know who was going to take us in and and like three or four other people and one of them was this very distinguished older woman who was speaking with stanley and uh she knew his work. Oh wow. And she was very interested in prehistory and um so she she'd read his work on mythology and shamanism and all that. And uh I come running up and she's you know fascinated talking to Dr. Krippner and Dr. Krippner this and Dr. Krippner that and then he says, Ah, oh, and this is my uh, my student and and friend chris and she just sort of looked at me and was like hmm anyway dr (laughs) krippner as i was saying just like "Geez, total like french aristocracy dismissal i shan't be talking to the help yeah yeah it was that um so then we go into the cave and it's like you have to step in these little um pans of formaldehyde right and they're like several different um like interlocking chambers so you know it's like Aired it's off. like going into a, a vault or something um but yeah so you yeah the experience itself of being in there is incredible obviously what's the light in there it's really low right very dim or what uh, yeah i think i mean they have electric lighting um and i think it was like pretty golden mm. you know not fluorescent like or an amber warm white yeah. type of thing yeah yeah and then the the guide if i remember correctly he also had like a handheld like a laser so he would point things out and right. show you the shapes and you know wow. that um yeah it's incredible um but i but i've been to a lot of um prehistoric cave art in the Pyrenees yeah. and and Lascaux is particularly you know they say it's the Sistine Chapel of prehistoric cave art it's it's amazing but there are other caves that are open to the public still mm. that for my money are just as cool Yeah, wow. I, I mean incredible there's one called La Moneda in Spain I think it's in Asturias um, where you, there are all these handprints on the wall or where the reverse, you know, where they, they blew the ochre yeah. and then they took the hand away, so it's a negative like image. These, yeah, And you stand as close as I am to you to these images, and they're 40,000 years old. 40,000? Yeah, I think Lescaux is like 24 20, to 26 yeah. or something. Um, but these are, wow. like, much older. Whoa. And there's something to me i mean the art is great but seeing the person's hand right there yeah it's just so immediate yeah and you could see one of them they had a broken pinky finger so it's like crooked yeah it's kind of twisted in and you could see it repeated in different places so that's the same person and then down at the bottom you see all these little hands oh the children man so wow Yeah. I mean, and this is open to the public. Anyone can go. It's like five bucks or something. It's like no big deal. Right. Um, And to me, that felt uh, just as powerful, if not more so. Yeah. Um, But then so leaving Lesko, by the time we come out, this French woman had sort of warmed to me a little bit. (laughs) And she said, uh, so where are you guys staying? tonight and we said well we don't know we, we just like just made it we had a bit of a you know mess on the way <laughs> and, and she said well I have a little house near here uh, I have a spare room if you'd like to stay at my place and we're like well it's very nice of you and um, so Stanley said well yeah why don't we just yeah that would be yeah. great so um, we're driving we're following her and Stanley and I are like okay listen if if this isn't comfortable if it's weird if whatever like we worked out our excuses yeah. what we we're going to say <laughs> how we we're going to get out of it we roll we come up this thing pull through a gate go down this driveway her little house her little country house is a chateau oh my god it's probably 25 bedrooms oh my god there's a herd of horses oh. in the front yard just you know walking through the yard yeah. right not mm-hmm. not in a corral even just right. like just strolling about it, the ground it's like a fucking movie or something we go in there and she's got a woman there who's working in the kitchen and uh i mean the, the fireplace was the size of this van is it, the fireplace you walk One into of the, yeah. the fire you make yeah. the fire on the floor you yeah. know and it's like that and the woman was like well listen i i am having dinner tonight with um you know the the wife of the prime minister and the blah 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 she's some fucking super yeah. rich and her husband was was british and i don't i don't remember who she what her name was or anything um but she was like, oh, you wouldn't like these people. They're very boring. Um, but I'll, you know, i have Maria make you a dinner. And I've taken, you know, I've uh, taken the liberty of inviting uh, my Maurice to come over and speak with you. Maurice is the world's foremost expert on Lascaux. And he designed the uh, the museum of Lascaux. There's a, There's a an replica, exact right? replica. Uh, and so this guy, I think his name was Maurice, did that uh, oh wow and so he came he was like oh yes i'd be honored so he comes uh, over and you know makes himself available to wow, us for cool. a couple hours yeah it's fucking that's traveling with stanley oh, yeah man. it's pretty what cool. a special
0: guy that must be to hang around i can't i mean so he's been your friend how long 20 30
1: years something like yeah that?
0: always had kind of older friends
1: yeah, yeah. uh yeah I, until now now i have it's lots of younger friends
0: th- going the other way around yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, since i was little i had old friends um and now i, I almost only have old friends yeah. <laughs> i've got a few friends my age but uh no younger friends yet it's a good thing to, to surround yourself with i think people who you know will tolerate you and your bumbling assistant locking shit in the car type of you know i i've been that same human uh yeah but yeah it's good to good to surround yourself with somebody like that and you're very fortunate to know a guy like stanley man what a...
1: yeah no definitely stanley revolutionized my life in more ways than i can think mm-hmm. of uh you know he helped me he, you know, right? He he pushed me through the PhD program. I'm wow. sure I would have just you know ended up uh, languishing in that if he hadn't uh, you know pulled me along and introduced me to Casilda. He oh, he, he did. Yeah. Wow. How did he know her? What, he just... didn't. No. I, he he invited me to a conference, mm. and I went to the conference, and that's where I met her. Wow. Um. That's so great. he didn't introduce me per se, but he, but he, had a, he was there. It really wouldn't have pivotal. met her if I hadn't gone. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, actually, on that drive up, one of my favorite Stanley stories, on that drive to Lascaux, Stanley and I always talk about sex. We both are interested in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, we're coming at it from two different. very different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. But we always talked about sex. And I had just had... A very uh, strange interaction with a woman, like the week before he showed up, and so I was telling him about this, and uh, and he said, "Oh, Chris, you know, you're wasting your time with these women. You you need you, you need to, you know, hang out with a higher higher class of woman." Yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, "He said, I know." A woman you should meet i think you'd really like her actually and i said well who's that he says oh she's the daughter of old friends of mine uh i saw her most i saw her at her 21st birthday five or six years ago so she's 26 27 and i was like at this point i don't know i was my mid-30s i think and he said, oh, she's beautiful, and she's smart, and she's wonderful. And now Stanley's one of these people who, like, everybody's beautiful and smart and wonderful. Yeah, so yeah. he's such a sweet guy. Like it yeah, means he nothing. just sees it. Yeah.
0: He sees the inheritance.
1: So I'm thinking, all right, well, I don't know if she's so smart and beautiful and wonderful, <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> so who are her parents? And he says, oh, her mother was uh, a Swedish fashion model who was briefly married to my friend Timothy Leary. Hmm. Uh, Didn't last long, just about a year when he was at Millbrook. And uh, and, um, that's where I met her, at Millbrook, when she was married to Tim Leary. But then later, uh, she met a man who is a good friend of the Dalai Lamas, actually. (laughs) And he teaches Buddhist studies at Columbia. And I'm like fuck these parents sound great yeah right? like i don't care about the daughter yeah, i want to meet well, the parents right yeah uh so i was like yeah and he said yeah next time you're in because i flew to uh, california twice a year for uh grad school conference mm. you know student teacher facetime all that and uh so he said next time you're in san francisco i'll i'll call her mother and and put you in touch i think she lives in southern california She's doing theater or something, and you should meet her. You like her. Oh, man. I feel like this is building to some... (laughs) And I'm driving, and I'm thinking, like, this Dalai Lama-Timothy Leary connection. It sounds vaguely familiar. Mm. Like, I've read something. Some, like, wow, what is that connection? And then I said, I said, wait, Stanley, are you talking about Uma Thurman? (laughs) And he says, how did you know her name? Oh, my God. I said... Well, Uma Thurman, she's she's a, a movie star. He said, oh, she is? I said, yeah, man. She was in Batman. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, I'm so happy for her. And I said, yeah. <laughs> Stanley? She's like, and she's pregnant. Yeah. And she's like, you know, definitely not, not going to be dating me. Looking
0: for, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's, that's Stanley.
0: He's He's amazing. He also and tried yeah. to hook
1: me up with Salma Hayek once.
0: Man, he's what a friend.
1: He's the best. What a friend. I'm telling you. Did he ever, has he had partners throughout the years or is he? He was married for a long time. Mm. Yeah, his wife died uh, 15 years ago, maybe. Oh, man. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, Stanley's a real interesting guy. He's very. I think he lives beyond conventional categories mm-hmm. like straight and gay yeah. and you know people ask me if he's gay and it's I don't really know what to say he's he's open to the experience <laughs> I I think he just sees people I don't think he wow. really genitalia really matters much to him wow.
0: Got a childlike quality, not childish, because that's got a pejorative. But childlike in that he's just got this joy about him that seems to that everything is a curiosity worth taking a peek at. You know. Yeah. I I don't know. I can only imagine having a friend like that would be invaluable. Whether or not he introduced you to Uma Thurman (laughs) or Selma Hayek.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's he's. He's uh yeah, I don't know how to even really describe him, but he he is the most open minded person I probably will ever know. Hmm. You know, he's you know, he's the he's the bridge between the skeptical community and yes. the the you know, the psychics and the My neighbors. And Sebastopol. Neighbors. Okay. Yeah, you know, I right. mean so he's yeah. he's the guy that both sides will respect and, respect him because yeah. he doesn't come at it with any presuppositions. He just sees what's there, yeah. and he's not judgmental. He's not unkind. He's you know, and even like he's debunked a bunch of um, psychics and you know people who run seances and you know. I mean, he used to go on like the Johnny Carson show with yeah. the, you know the amazing Creskin, and, and yeah. you know, he'd be the scientific... Um, Eye on the- Yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, Stanley has... He's so nuanced in things because, for example, we talk about psychics sometimes and, and he makes the point that just because you catch somebody faking it, it doesn't mean they don't actually have amazing capacities. What it means is that you know, someone might have an amazing ability to look into the future or read someone's mind or whatever it is, and it comes when it comes. Sure. And then they develop a reputation as, like, oh my God, this person has these amazing powers, and people have all these expectations. And that, but you don't control when it comes. Right. It's like you're, you know, an athlete being in the zone or a musician who's like really in a state of flow. It's really hard to, yeah. to, to um you can't force it no. a, a woman's intuition you know, yeah that's
0: a or or intuition in general you i've known particularly in the south women who are just they know when you're lying they know when you're you know whatever it is Hate but that but they, yeah, but they've got that they they build up a persona around that like i got you i can you know i know and they're not always 100 right right you know and right. they're trying i think to 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 feed that narrative right. of, yeah oh i've got that i got that gift sweetie. right so I it know. can be ego it's like, too, yeah. you know, i I but it doesn't discount I give to
1: your point. Right. Yeah. But then some sometimes it's true. So mm. they learn to do tricks mm. to sort of compensate for the fact that they can't control yeah. so even when he catches someone doing some bullshit, he still gives them the benefit of the but doubt that, yeah. that you know. And he's seen things, he's seen things um and and you know, verified them scientifically that are truly unbelievable. Yeah and uh for which there's no explanation so he would probably never refer to himself as a shaman he no. would never
0: but that the role that it seems like he's had in your life has got that kind of uh bent to it that he's had a nearly shamanic role in your life i mean it sounds real yeah well very, in my life and in, in many other people's lives right yeah
1: you know he's and he's been very close friends with um a couple of uh curanderos or shamans one named Rolling thunder yeah who hung out with the grateful dead and was pretty well known in the late 60s early 70s and now rolling thunder's grandson is a very good friend of stanley's that's great they wrote a book together oh really yeah sidian is his name yeah he brought him to barcelona once a buddy of mine gave him a tattoo right on his chest on his heart wow my buddy voodoo yeah wow yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, Stanley's Stanley's a crazy, amazing guy.
0: Laco Johnny Langa Saco Boy Daco This is going to take a second to lay all sure, this out, yeah. but you know, I heard you the other day talking, um, introducing a podcast, and you were addressing YouTube comments, which I cannot even imagine the drivel and why I, I got why you said you did it. You know, It's like an exercise to expose yourself to that shit, almost like inoculating yourself against the flu yeah. virus by taking a little bit of it in, I guess. I yeah,
1: know. I mean, I think I said it was like... A the, the psychological equivalent of a cold shower. Yeah. <laughs> a
0: cold shower that's just been like cooled off urine, basically. <laughs> Someone put urine cold in their fridge. A yeah. yeah. So you're exposed to um, an enormous amount of people. I don't know what your listenership is, but I imagine it's pretty substantial. And the range of people, I imagine it's a lot of really cool people and a lot of just. The, the kind of people who will write a YouTube comment that's derisive and mean and, and shitty. I, I'm, I guess I'm happy that they're exposing themselves to better ideas of the people who would take the time to write book this guy and his fake story or whatever the thing was with the that you killed a bunny and somebody was shitting on you for
1: that. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I made that up. Yeah. It makes me look so, so cool. So hip. Yeah. Wandering around the neighborhood in a fucking purple towel loincloth <laughs> killing rabbits. Yeah. yeah. Cool kid, man. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: how, what I, what I, my question is, I guess, um, this audience and these young people who are set adrift with buds in their ears listening to you looking for whatever it is, something to shit on, to learn something, you know, you've been out and actually met people. You've got friends like Stanley and, uh, and I imagine many other influences in your life who have made you the person you are and the kind of person that assholes and geniuses alike want to hear speak. Um, do you have any kind of, and this is, I know you didn't want to be prescriptive in your book, but have you got any kind of, uh, I don't know, advice for these people? Like if you were to sit down with a kid, who wrote whatever he wrote about your thing? Like, what would you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I would differentiate between people who listen to my podcast. And then the, the YouTube comments are when I'm on Rogan show. Okay. Right. Yeah. So a whole different type I don't of even, my podcast doesn't even go on YouTube. Yeah. I, I don't even, yeah. I, I guess I point? should, but yeah. I, who, who knows? Uh, so it's, you know what i find amusing is that rogan's audience you know is so diverse because it's got the ufc thing he's got the stand-up comic thing he's got the fear factor thing he's got the you know intellectuals he's mm-hmm. you know the the drug thing like he's there, yeah. all these different worlds sort of meet in a nexus in yeah. joe rogan's studio um and so there are gonna be a sizable number of that a sizable proportion of that audience who's not gonna like whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, if you Another
0: have, scientist. Yeah, another bro. fucking scientist yeah, or yeah.
1: another yeah. fucking fight podcast, you right. know, or sure. uh, 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 more comedians really, you know. It's like this there's always gonna be someone who's bitching yeah. about something. Yeah. So um Yeah, so but my podcast and this is I, I said this to Joe, it's like because I'm more sort of, um, I'm not as diverse as he is. <clears throat> the people listening to my podcast are fucking great. Mm. I have yet to meet someone through the podcast who I didn't genuinely like. And uh, so I feel really, really lucky that way. And it's something that I think about and, and I want to try to um, uh, find additional ways to help those people meet each other because they're such good people yeah. including you man. Okay. it's like everyone I've met has been like fuck that's a cool person right there you know and so you know I'm thinking maybe when I finish this book and I have more time like maybe I'll do when I'm cruising around in the van I'll do more meetups and yeah. like you know okay in March 15th we're gonna be like in a you know, live Yosemite event or thing. something you yeah. know come on out and yeah you know, not to make money or anything, just to help people meet each other. Yeah. Um, because they, they really are good people. And um, so, but as far as like advice for young people, you know, one thing, especially a guy like that, who's, you know, thrown a lot of shit around, you um, you know, I I said on Joe's podcast, we were talking about this. And I said um, that I think people expose their deepest fears in their loudest accusations. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something I would say to young people. It's like, you're running around yelling about faggots. What you're saying is... You're not at peace with your sexuality. Yeah. And anyone, you know, young people don't know what they don't know is the cliche. And right. what I would try to say to young people is like, don't be a dick because <laughs> older people, they see right through you. Yeah, it's pretty transparent. And, and women, see right through you yeah so you're a posturing fucking douchebag bro 22 year old you know who works out all the time and shaves your head so you can look like joe rogan you only look cool to yourself and your dumbass friends mm-hmm. everybody else looks at you and sees a scared little boy mm. so stop posturing, stop faking it, yourself. try to be, yeah, try to, you know, cop to your vulnerability, cop to your fear, because when you do that, that's true strength. Hmm. And then the kind of people who are going to respond to that are people who are going to help you grow as opposed to your, your bro boys who are just going to keep you where you are. Hmm. So, you know, I think that's, that's one thing like, you know, and I'm not saying I necessarily knew all this, um, but a big lesson I learned from traveling in my 20s and 30s a lot was, and again, this circles back to the theme, I guess, of of this conversation, is that the story generates the reality. We yeah. We think that we go through life telling stories about the things we see, but I think what really happens is we see the things that our stories allow us to see yeah and so <clears throat> i think it's really important that people learn at a young age that you're choosing what story you're telling you're hmm. choosing how your life is framed by the story you're telling about yourself huh. so if you're telling a story about your yourself that's a story of a victim a story of Bad luck, a story of a loser who can't ever get it right. Then that's the way your life's going to be. Yeah. But you're making that choice. You're no more a victim than a lot of other people. You're no more of a right. loser than everybody else. You know. Everybody's worried about their dicks not big enough or their asses too big or their this or their tits or their right. whatever it is. Everybody's got those hangups. Sure. Are you going to be a victim of it or are you going to move beyond it? Yeah. That's the story you tell, and then the way you tell the story that will shape your experience Hmm. and i think you know i mean the the examples i thought of when i was traveling the the ways i saw this play out were for example i remember being in india uh, the first time and yeah i had diarrhea everybody gets diarrhea yeah and and I remember it was, it's so weird, you know, cause like no one talks about shit in the West we're all Like, hung yeah. up. but uh, you know, you're traveling in India, you're like sitting in the cafe in the morning and there are people you don't even know. And you're like, Hey, is your shit green? I mean, what, you know, it's just like a, it's just, everybody's talking about yeah. shit all the time. And, uh, and what I noticed was that the people who were most concerned People who are like, oh, was that salad washed in bottled water? And was that boiled properly? And oh, my God. Well, they're the people who are always sick. Oh. And the people who are just like, yeah, whatever. You know, okay, it's it, you know, street food, but it smells really good. And, you know, there are a yeah. lot of people eating it, whatever. And they eat it. And they're like, okay, maybe you get the shits for a couple of days, but then you're fine. Yeah. And who cares? You got the shits, whatever. Those people were really enjoying their trips <laughs> and were healthier. So it's like, wait a minute. It's not about whether or not you get the virus. It's about how stressed out you are. About right? any of it. About any of it, right. Yeah. Whether it's a virus, whether it's someone breaking up with you, whether you lost your job, whether you broke your leg, whether you know you ran out of money, whatever it is. Yeah. It's how you respond to it mm. that really determines the experience. Sure.
0: You know, perception is what's creating exactly your story. Right. And
1: some things. of the best things that ever happened in my life seemed like tragedies at the time. Yeah. So that that's another lesson. Like, don't think you know what the fuck this experience means. You won't know for 10 years. Yeah. This might be the best thing. I lived in Barcelona for 25 years because I got robbed there. Huh. You know, my first I don't know if they you've heard this story. Yeah, I, I was in Barcelona, I was on my way somewhere else. I got robbed. I, I couldn't get a new passport for 10 days. I called this dude that I had met in Mexico years earlier. Turns out he was there. He d- like decides he's going to introduce me to all his friends. And I met all these women. And someone offered me a job. And someone offered me a place to stay. And, and I was like, ah, fuck it. This is cool. I like these people. <laughs> I'll hang out for the winter. That was 1990. Wow. I wow. Lived, uh, and I spent <laughs> most of my life there. That's great. Because I got robbed. Wow. You know? Never would have happened. I never would have called the dude if I hadn't yeah. been robbed. I was leaving the next day. That's the
0: same thing that uh, that happens. I've only been in one, so I don't want to sound like uh, I'm overselling it, but I've been in one hurricane. The thing that I noticed after the hurricane passed, you know, people are out of power. you got to eat all the food that's in your fridge. you got to drink all the beer. It's going to get hot. you got to have a good time. It brought the community together. Like, I hung out with my neighbors, and they call it a hurricane. And if you survive and you're in it and you're all right, I mean, look... Katrina, this experience they have, I'm sure the the tightness and the closeness that they came through with that amount of tragedy had to be even greater. Yeah, And I'm sure they'll always look at the tragedy of Katrina, but they'll look back and see, man, I fell in love with my neighbor. I yeah. love my neighbor. Yeah. I became friends with that person in a way that I would not have if shit was hunky-dory the whole time. Like I, I, I grew close to some neighbors that I would have otherwise not really, you know, I, you'd always say hi to your neighbors, you know, like, hey, Hello. But to really spend time with them like that, and when you're all vulnerable, no one's got power. Everybody's hot. Everybody's having lots to cook. of beer. It's got Everybody's to having drunk. to roast off. You know, you're cooking all the meat. You're having a party, <laughs> yeah. and they, that's that's the way that New Orleans, in particular, deals with a lot of things. That yeah. the culture of celebration. Um, but I, I like that point that it, it it's not necessarily your your good times that are your best times.
1: You know, one of the sections of civilized to death that I'm most excited about sharing with people is um about the way human beings behave in disasters yeah because the culture of it yeah the story that we're all told is when civilization is you know breaks down just raping and pillaging and it's you know mad max shit but In fact, when they're called disaster sociologists, Mm. they study specifically how people behave in hurricanes and earthquakes and war, Um, not the soldiers, but the refugees and the people left behind, floods, all that stuff. What they find is exactly what you describe, that there's a sense of community and and interdependence and taking care of each other that is... Uh, way beyond what happens in normal life, and there's a great quote that I found from this guy who was sort of the, the the founder of disaster sociology. And he said that at the end of his career, you know, 50 years of studying this stuff, what he determined was that. Uh, People who survive these disasters look back on this time as the best best days of their lives. I, I believe it. They feel like they had the most sense of community and meaning and mm-hmm. they felt important and useful and all that. He, and he says, disasters aren't the problem. Daily life is the true disaster. Yeah. The the sort of
0: joy of randomness and the happiness that you find and in, in not knowing how it's going to work out.
1: Yeah. And and helping people
0: and helping. Yeah.
1: You know, and it doesn't need to be just helping your friends and your children and your genetic, you know, uh, connections, which is what the standard story. You know, this powerful story we hear tells us we only care about people we're genetically related to. That's total bullshit. No. Do you think that's why you're attracted to travel so much? You do. You are exposed to
0: random problem solving and you have to help. You, I mean, I imagine you found this. You were helped by other travelers and A you lot. had the opportunity to help other travelers. Well,
1: and also helped by people in the place where I was traveling. Yes.
0: You know? Oh, uh, very much so. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and this is, you know, you you asked earlier about older friends, younger friends and all that. I mean, this is something I've, I've been trying to convey to some of my younger friends um, that there's... Uh, a joy in helping Mm -hmm. that I think it's important for them to understand you know because when I was younger and older people Stanley or other professors I had or you know various people in my life would go out of their way to help me I often felt like inadequate like you know like I've got nothing to give back and you don't need anything that I have and, and you know and like so I felt like, OK, someday I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back. I'll pay it forward. You know, right. that'll be. And I, I try to do that. But I what I didn't understand was that it feels really good to help someone. Yes. Especially someone who's younger and who's like earnest and, and really listening to you and really grateful for what you're giving them that feels so fucking good to an older person
0: someone who's making the best of the help that you're giving right yeah
1: because it feels like whatever energy you give them they're gonna that's gonna get multiplied in them yeah and there's just this this feeling of i don't know i mean it's, it's overstating it but but there is a feeling of like I'm putting this energy out and it's going to continue to ripple out into the world through this person, you know? And now I recognize, like, some older people saw that in me and and it was, you know, I was a beneficiary of that. And now I, I want to give that to some younger people and I can see them Like being very hesitant and like, no, I don't want to ask for help. And, you know, no, you're busy. And uh, it's like, you don't get it, man. This feels (laughs) fucking good to me. Well, I sure as hell hope it does. I'm sitting
0: here. (laughs) I've come down here to to pester you for your time in the midst of plenty plenty going on. So I'm very, I'm highly grateful for it. I hope you're getting out of it as much as, uh, I mean, just spending time with me is a big you know yeah well i'm deal, I'm so.
1: grateful you drove all the way down here that's crazy
0: I'll, i mean i think i told you in my email i will take any opportunity to make an impulsive decision <laughs> <laughs> i have done all this podcast was brought to you by impulsiveness impulsiveness yeah.
1: yeah definitely so you're you're headed to alaska yeah and you're going up the alcan highway i guess
0: we um we're going to do it pretty randomly uh, we, we kind of were thinking about taking uh, the Bellingham Ferry, and maybe you could, uh, you've could. you spent a lot of time in Alaska, but we're going to take the ferry go up that way, spend some time in that area. We're going to spend about the summer there. We eventually we do want to see the northern, uh, I mean the, uh, the Arctic Circle, and then work our way back south uh, by way of, you know, eventually Colorado <laughs> swinging back through. My wife's not been to the Grand Canyon, so uh, oh. I really want to take her to the Grand Canyon. You know um, what?
1: From right here to the north rim of the Grand Canyon, in this rig, is one tank of diesel. No shit. I've done it. Yeah. From my driveway to the north rim, one tank.
0: That's what a great, Isn't that great? use These, of a tank. Yeah. These things are so Isn't amazing. Great, so, this, this is tank.
1: such a great vehicle. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if we've we've been very clear that we're sitting, you have exactly the same van I do. Yeah. Just with a, a much more nicer f- interior.
0: red on the exterior. Honestly, if I could make the exterior look shittier if i could make it look as worse shitty as mine does no yours is beautiful yours yeah. is like is it not no it's the clear coats coming off oh. it's it's all well yeah I, I if i could put rust fake rust holes on it and mm. make it look shitty i would i would turn this thing up but um Why? they are well just cuz some of the, we're we're going eventually to argentina uh, no, I, i'd like less
1: likely to have attract
0: just any kind of attention i mean yeah. It's weird to say that I don't want attention and I've now started a podcast. If I could do it anonymously, (laughs) I I probably would. Well, there's a
1: difference between podcast attention and somebody looking in your windows. Like, ooh, look at all that
0: shit in there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, we want to take our weird time and weird route through Alaska. Um, So we don't have an exact route planned take it as it comes and we're so you booking... take
1: the ferry up to skagway or haynes probably one of those two yeah. yeah that's the end and then you drive up and then across through uh up through the yukon and then uh, i hitchhike that and then oh. you go across through there's a town called Tok uh-huh. right on the border it's customary to stop and to, yeah. to have a toke there <laughs> and then uh yeah you go to fairbanks and then you'll probably go north if you're going to drive up to yeah. the arctic circle yeah, I never went north of Fairbanks. I just, I, I didn't have a vehicle. I went down. And you were working, right? Weren't you catching yeah. fish? Or yeah. I, I, the first year I was gutting fish in a cannery wow. Wow. in Kenai. And then the second year I'd, I'd worked in the cannery for a week or two. And then I um, heard that there was an opening on a boat down in Seward. And I went down there and I quit the job in the cannery and I hitched down to Seward. And the job was gone, long By the time there. <laughs> gone before I got there. But I was sitting on the dock and I was just sitting there and I, I heard these people yelling. It was all this yelling coming from one of the boats. And I saw this guy just like, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. And, and just this guy walks off with a backpack and it's like, yeah. <laughs> Job opening. Uh, job opening, yeah. <laughs> so I just sat there for a while, and then this kid came out, this, like, 16-year-old kid. And uh, I said, looks like, sounded like some drama going on on your boat. And he's like, yeah, my dad just fired the deckhand. I was like, oh, I'm a deckhand. If I wasn't, I didn't even know what a deckhand was. And... Uh, yeah, the kid and I talked for a while, and then the kid went and talked to his dad, and his dad's like, can you leave tonight? And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah. You, you get seasick? I was like, no. <laughs> you worked on a boat before? Yeah. Like a fucking canoe. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he hired me. That's great. How, how many jobs have you had? I don't know. I, I don't Dozens. Some, sometime I'd like to, like, put together a CV to yeah. see how ridiculous it would yes. be. You know, because, like, jobs like last time i had a job where i like had a paycheck Mm -hmm. was the 90s 90s. yeah i've
0: Uh, I've had too many yeah too many occupations i know the feeling yeah i'm I'm basically unemployable at this point I, i yeah
1: yeah i can't imagine like if i had to like go and be a normal person and apply for a job jesus I, I don't know, the, and I'm not advocating this to anyone, but I, <laughs> I just have never been good at doing things I don't want to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. J- going back to classes in school, I'd, I'd be the best student in a class if I liked the teacher. And right. liked the, and if I didn't like it, I'd flunk out yeah. and just be like a total dipshit. and. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's. It's a great way to live life because you know. For example, I never learned to play a musical instrument Mm. because it was too boring. It's like you know, my fingers hurt. Yeah, you know, yeah. The the getting over that that hump. You know, I never got over the hump because I just had no discipline and. And I regret that. It's one of the only regrets I have in life, but it's a significant regret. There's time. There's Well, maybe. You never know how okay. much time there is. but
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, true. Hence the reason I think we both do the sort of weird shit that we do. Yeah, I well, that's it. You never convinced know. Convinced
1: of. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm 56 years old. I got no retirement account. I got no Social Security. I got, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely not. I'm not painting myself as having figured out the best way to live, but no, no. I'm happy and I've got great friends and, you know, a juicy life and a lot of freedom. Yeah. And to me, those are the things that are important. Yeah. So, you know, for other people that, that would be really uncomfortable. Yeah. But terrifying. Obviously for you, yeah. those are the same sort of things that work for you. And, yeah. and also, you know, it's cool. My wife's a doctor. She's not Working these days, but um, you know, when we got together, that was sort of the thing. It's like, okay, you you got the steady job, you're the mm-hmm. You know, person who goes in and you got the good credit and, you know, get the mortgage and, you know, like, you'll be our conduit to, like, dealing with that kind of conventional reality. And I'll be the guy who takes the long shots. I'll be the idea guy. (laughs) I work (laughs) in concepts, baby. (laughs) And uh, and she was cool with that. And she was like, yeah, all right, you know. Yeah. You know, eventually maybe something will pay off. Mm. And, you know, because I had some business ideas and some, you know. Yeah first thing i did fucking paid off and now she's taking it easy and i'm you That's know great. running my little media empire
0: yeah i love it man i love it it backfired it. on me yeah i, I um how are we doing on time man we've been in here it's like 4:15 15 yeah you, i
1: should probably uh, you got a life to live i got to go do the dishes <laughs> you've heard it here folks chris
0: ryan does his own dishes well, i'm going to do
1: them you'll see unless you do them for me man oh know. man no, we, yeah, we had some breakfast and then I had to run my friend to the, the bus station. Uh,
0: that's right. Your wife's coming back tomorrow. I know that, that impulse to get the house back to yeah, like wife c- is coming home. I got to clean the house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've let my wife down on that one a couple of times. I'm a pretty clean dude, but you know, I get it sometimes. Well,
1: you know. you know, clean to a dude is different from clean to a woman. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If something's not in the right place, it's like, God, this place is a wreck. It's like, Man, everything's clean. I've wiped it down. So there's some shit sitting over there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whatever.
0: Well, uh, uh, Chris, man, thank you. Yeah. So generous. Good luck with, with the podcast. Thank you, man.
1: Thank Monkey you. Monkey Tooth Podcast, folks. Right. Check it out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Tangentially speaking, if you haven't already, go on and get it.
1: What What episode are you up to?
0: Uh, oh, so this is going to come out on my birthday. I'm going to oh. put this episode out on my birthday, May the 1st. Oh, nice. uh, I think it's going to be uh, number nine or 10. Ten, something oh, like that. Good. Yeah, early days, the salad days. I early days, to,
1: man. I'm up to three. Oh man, three fourteen. I think wow. I just put up maybe something like that.
0: Well, if uh, I don't know if any of your listeners are going to be checking this out, but if you know of anybody who's an interesting fun, our whole premise is we're looking for people doing fun and interesting things. Mm. So if you know anybody on our route who's doing fun and interesting things, drop us a line. mtp.dog All right, <laughs> contact well. us.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll make an announcement on, the, oh, on my... Oh,
0: amazing, amazing. So. But, uh, man, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Hello, my love. I heard a kiss from you. Red magic satin playing near to. All through the morning rain I gaze. The sun doesn't shine. Rainbows and waterfalls run through my mind. Hello, Tiffany here saying thank you so much for joining us and listening in at the Monkey Tooth Podcast. We hope you do enjoy the show. If you do, please leave us a review at iTunes. It helps people find us so they can enjoy our show as well. You can also follow us in our adventures on our Instagram and Facebook page. It's Monkey Tooth Podcast. And if you want to go the extra mile and hand us a little dough, a little cash, you can go to Patreon and support us for a little as a dollar a month. And we will send you out a little treat as a thank you for supporting us. Thanks for listening. Love you guys.
1: Bye-bye.